welcome and good morning, everyone. The week before we celebrate Christmas, isn't that, isn't it amazing how quickly the year has gone by? Are, are we all beginning to understand what the twinkling of an eye will look like? <laughs> I am beginning to understand what that's going to look like. Um, this week... Um, we have in this upcoming week, um, because Christmas Eve falls on Saturday evening, there will be a Christmas Eve service at, is it 6 o'clock? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock Christmas Eve service, no service on Sunday morning. So um, you can stay home and open your presents. Huh? And um, let's see if there's any other we want to thank uh, everyone who helped pitch in and made our Friday night um, uh, program a possibility. It was fun and uh, well attended and a very uh, big blessing for all. So thank you for everybody who worked so hard. Um, Tom and Kathy moved chairs in and out and did all the furniture moving. So we want to thank them for that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, any uh, any other announcements this week? Yes. Yeah, this is the uh, last day for uh, loaves and fishes or the love loaves. Uh, and, but if you still have something at home, let me know. I do need to send the check by the end of the week. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And and Chuck and Sally, I noticed that the food has gone to Gospel Rescue, so thank you for that as well. Yes, I appreciate it very much, and I'm really collecting a lot for people who have Good. Thank you so much for that. It's a blessing. Thank you for Erica. She's helping us, and she's back having seen her son graduate from the School of Engineering. What a proud moment that was in NAU. So praise the Lord for that. She is. I know she looks very young. Yeah. Okay. And John, thank you for all of the work you've been doing uh, on keeping things going for us. All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for your great abundant mercies and blessings upon this little band of your believers. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken us through, um, and we are nearly to the year um, when we will turn over to 2023, and we look towards this coming year with anticipation of the great and glorious work you will do in your worldwide body in preparing for your coming day, Lord, and that you will guide us and direct us with your eye, and that you will guide and direct this portion of your body with your eye. We praise and thank you for that. We thank you for this day, and we ask your blessing upon each of us and your hand upon Pastor Waldron as he brings our message today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first three candles we lit were for hope, peace, and joy. 
Today, we light the fourth candle, the candle of love. With this flame, we signify the love of God that surrounds and fills us at all time, but that we recognize in a special way in the Christmas story. There is no greater power than love. It is stronger than the rulers and empires, stronger than grief or despair, stronger than even death. We love because God loves us. Please join me. Loving God, we open ourselves to you this Christmas season. Light our lives with your imagination. Show us the creative power of hope. Teach us that peace that comes from justice. Fill us with the kind of joy that cannot be contained, but must be shared. Magnify your love within us. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ. Depart in peace and take with you the certain knowledge that God is always coming into the world. Seek God not in a long ago stable or ancient manger, but in the people we meet and the depths of our own hearts. May the blessing of Christmas make you a blessing to others. God forth in hope, peace, joy, and love. Good morning, everybody. You know, take yourself back in time, if you would, on the night. It's Christmas Eve in the First World War I. Perfect peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. During that First World War I, on Christmas Eve, the battlefield was strangely quiet. As the snow fell softly to the ground, the thoughts of the young men were of home and their families. Softly, one lad began to sing or hum Silent Night. Others took up the chorus until the trenches resounded with the Christmas song. And when they had finished, they were astonished to hear the song echoing from the trenches across no man's land. In their own tongue, the other soldiers also sang Silent Night. That night, they were thinking of the Prince of Peace, the Christ of Christmas. How different our world would be if we could unite together around that holy infant so tender and mild. Earth could be a taste of heaven with Christ. Discord could be turned into the peace when Christ is near. Midnight gloom can be transformed into the moon day brightness when he abides with us. Full peace will come only when Christ returns. But until that day, we can know his peace in our hearts and we can be the messenger of his peace in the world as we commit our lives to him. The hope for today, healing and forgiveness in scripture was often followed by the instructions, go in peace. That is what Christ brought at Christmas. He brought peace. 
and he is still offering it in our hearts today. May we inhale God's love of peace and exhale. Let's see, let me get this right. Let's inhale God's peace and exhale love. Um, so let's also think of that little town of Bethlehem on that old holy night. Oh, 
Good morning again. The reading today is from Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and help. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Amen. Would you join, join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer? Would you like to stand to do that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And as we prepare to sing Silent Night, let's be reminded of those World War I veterans that were in the trenches humming and singing this song.
Our uh, New Testament scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her public, publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to, to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You join me in the responsive reading. God of salvation, who sent your son to seek out and save what is lost. Hear our prayers on behalf of those who are lost in our day, receiving these petitions and thanksgivings, your undying Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, owner of all, Lord, you entrust things to us. The greatest gift that's ever been given, your son, to teach us and ultimately to die for our sins. As we come up to this time to celebrate his birth, his entry into the world, we are called upon many times to give, to share, to know, know others, to reach out to others and celebrate that birth, celebrate his life. So Lord, we ask that the gifts that we give today will be used in a way that will be pleasing to you. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. If you couldn't read the uh, fine print in the uh, bottom right corner. P.A. Yesu, merciful Jesus. On Yus day, Kitolis picata mundi, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Dona Ies requiem, grant us your peace. Let us pray. Lord God, grant us your peace. Make it so. And Father, through your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. Make the ink come off the pages and apply it to our hearts. Make it come alive in our hearts by your great grace and mercy. And Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you bless and anoint every word that's spoken this morning in your precious Son's name. Amen. My sermon title is, Where Are You, Lord? The text is Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. It is a silent night, a holy night. All is calm, all is bright. And it's been 400 years since God has spoken through his prophets to his people, Israel. Many wonder if he will ever speak to Israel again. And many secretly ask, where are you, Lord? Have you forsaken your people? And then God speaks to Zechariah via the angel Gabriel, the same messenger angel that spoke to Mary, announcing to her that she would conceive and give birth to the Christ child. Show us slide one, please. Zechariah and Elizabeth are both of the priestly lineage, and they are both very old. Elizabeth has been barren their entire marriage. Zechariah is a priest in the temple of the God, and this day it was his turn to burn incense in the sanctuary. We pick it up in Luke chapter 1. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw the angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. If you're a raised Pentecostal like I was, this thing of being filled with the Holy Spirit's a pretty big deal. There tends to be a little confusion on the subject because most Pentecostals, when you receive the gift of tongues, they say, oh, 
according to Acts, that means you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now the secessionists, those who don't believe in the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit, or at least that they're for today, they will tell you, well, you were baptized when you first believed. So why would you be baptized again? Tends to be a little confusion. But Pentecostals have this saying, which pretty much clears it up. One baptism, many fillings. So our goal as Christians to seek that filling of the Holy Spirit every day. But notice here, John was filled before he ever exited the womb. Marvelous. Show us slide two. Verse 16, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. This is why we want to be filled every day. We want the spirit and power of Elijah so we can be Elijah to a lost world. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Do you realize that the early church did not celebrate Christmas? Sorry, they did not. They never heard of Santa Claus. At least they, they didn't celebrate it the way we did. They celebrated Advent. They did not celebrate a baby in a manger. But the Advent of Almighty God, taking on flesh, walking, talking, and living among us, God had moved into the neighborhood. Advent. Commercialism has commandeered Advent and renamed it Christmas. And in the process, left baby Jesus in the manger and replaced him with Santa Claus. That jolly old elf who is supposed to be the personification of loving and giving and who never once alludes to the fact that the world is desperately lost and in need of a savior. Rather than a hero, hero excuse me, who only shows up once a year and only then if you've been good, we have an eternal Savior. But this morning I want us to fast forward several years from Christ's birth to the year 12 A.D. It's springtime of the year, 12 A.D., and the Romans have issued a decree declaring that the Jewish people no longer have the right to carry out capital punishment. The response of the rabbis is immediate as they pour out into the streets, beating their chest and screaming, Lord, where are you? Why has this happened? You see, the rabbis believed that capital punishment was the cornerstone of their theocracy, of their government, as it was defined in the Noahic covenant. You need some 
help with the No Way Covenant, see Sister Linda. She knows it backward and forwards. America used to believe this too. That capital punishment was the cornerstone of our law and order. The rabbis believed that being denied this fundamental aspect of law and order would render the Jews powerless as a nation. Consider how lawless America has become in the past generation with half, fully half of our United States outlawing capital punishment. History records that the entire city of Jerusalem was filled with the, the wailing of rabbis who knew the consequences of being forced to abandon God's law. To the rabbis, the scepter of God had departed. The authority and providence of his law had been vanquished, stripped away, annulled by the pagan Romans. Or so they thought. For on that very day in the temple of the Most High God is a 12-year-old boy who is consulting with the rabbis and teachers of the law, asking brilliant questions and giving profound answers. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, Yeshua HaMashiach, is in his father's house. When we look at the chaos that exists in our country today, the polarizing divisions, the widening pandemonium of not only our politics, but the politics of the world, we too want to rush out into the streets and beat our chest and say, Lord, help us. I was doing a contract for the United States Navy during Hurricane Katrina, and I was stationed on the East Bank, if you're familiar with New Orleans, the, the port of New Orleans, the East Bank is reserved for much of the military. I was working for MAR-4 Res, which is the Marine Corps Reserves. Fortunately, I was reassigned back to Dallas when the hurricane hit. But I had several friends who were caught in it, and they forwarded me photographs uh, via phone. And uh, I remember looking at those photographs and thinking, this looks like the old photos I saw of Hiroshima. Total devastation. Immediately after Katrina, Anne Graham Lotz, you might recall she is Billy Graham's daughter, she was asked by a news personality a very pointed question. Where is God in all this? And Mrs. Lotz answered just as pointedly. He's right where we've told him to be. We as a society have told God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, out of our courts, out of our politics. We have told him to get out of our lives, and he has granted our wishes. 
God doesn't send these disasters, but he allows them into our national life to wake us up. I thought it was an awesome answer. With all the volcanoes erupting, the intensification of tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis, isn't it interesting that the uh, secular media is happy to quote the uh, WEF, the World Economic Forum, regarding climate change, but no way they will quote the words of Jesus in Matthew 24. Show us slide three, please. These are Jesus' words, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. The secular media, secular scientists and politicians preach that climate change is the culprit. So Europe has answered the call as the Netherlands have committed to shut down 3,000 farms next year. Why? Because they use nitrogen in their fertilizer. Germany, the largest user of renewable energy in the world, has shut down all but three of its nuclear power plants in order to force the Germans to use renewable energy. Knowing that the Nord Stream pipeline will not provide fuel this winter, knowing that solar panels are worthless during a cloudy European winter, and therefore hundreds of Germans will likely freeze to death this winter. They've even started clearing the black forest to provide lumber for fireplaces. Makes you scratch your head. All hail the climate agenda. Sig Heil, Sig Heil. And where will the Netherlands buy their food next year? The same place Germany will buy their energy. Russia. What could possibly go wrong? Sounds a lot like our current administration in trying to do the same thing to our oil and gas industry. Jordan Peterson, quoting those scientists who have debunked climate change, stated that if tomorrow every country on earth embraced the zero carbon footprint espoused by the WEF, it would take 200 years before we see a significant difference. But if you think we're not nearing the emergence of the Antichrist, consider this. China has already implemented digital currency and is forcing its trade partners to use it. Currently, China is trying to convince Saudi Arabia to replace the U.S. dollar with the Chinese yuan. Which, if OPEC follows suit, would unseat the U.S. dollar as the world's default currency, which would devalue our dollar and send us into another Great Depression like 1929. And the Saudis are so ticked at Joe Biden, they just might do it. 
When we speak of China, did you know the DEA is reporting that 274 people a day are dying from fentanyl overdose? Fentanyl doesn't come from Mexico. It comes from China. The Mexicans just deliver it. That's 100,000 Americans China has killed this year alone. But we don't have a border crisis, do we? Meanwhile, the WEF insists it will implement digital currency in Europe within the next two years. Global banking within the next three. Which means that very soon, you won't be able to buy or sell anything anywhere in the world without a chip in your hand. Do we realize how fast this one world government is taking shape? Warp speed. But as we enter the last week of Advent, what's our focus? Is our world really any darker, any less violent, less malevolent, less evil than it was in the time of Christ? Is there any less pandemonium, any less anarchy? I say no, it's just more widespread. But I remind you, this world is not our home. Show us slide four, please. From the Gospel of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, the son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the time of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's explore that passage of Scripture. The government will rest on his shoulders. This is a reference to the millennial reign. Even as we watch the one world government of Antichrist being formed before our very eyes, Almighty God has confined this world and corralled it according to his dictates. And you should console yourself with that thought. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Where's your peace? This Christmas, where's your peace? Let me tell you where it should be. It should be centered in Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness is your peace. Your peace comes from the Lord Jesus. You have only as much peace as you have Christ-likeness. Show us slide number five, please. Psalm 46 from the message. River fountains splash joy, cooling God's city. This sacred haunt of the Most High God. God lives here. The streets are safe. God at your service from crack of dawn. God's city is your city. It's called the kingdom of God. 
If your spirit lives here, you will live in peace. Slide six, please. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. One body. The body of Christ. The universal church. Catholic with a small c. As members of Christ's body, we are called to live in peace, in peace with each other, in peace with ourselves, and in peace with God. If you're not living in peace, you've got to go deeper into Christ Jesus. Dig deeper into his word. Christmas Eve three years ago, I was uh, attending a Christmas Eve service with my wife's family. We uh, attended a um, Christmas Eve mass. And the, uh, the priest got up and gave this stunning soliloquy of how a member of the congregation, a young man, had reconciled with his family. And he built it up and built it up. And there was a lady, uh, when he finished, there was a lady in the pew behind us. Oh, that's just wonderful, just wonderful. And I wanted to turn around and slap her. I wanted to turn around and say, this is Christmas Eve. And this little morality speech that your priest just gave, never once mentioned Jesus Christ, never once mentioned his advent into this world, never once mentioned his saving grace. All you got was a morality talk, and you're happy? Oh, Lord. Lord, help us tune our ears to the truth. Help us, Lord, or all we will hear is babble and nonsense. If you will live a life that is totally void of chaos, if you would live a life totally full of peace, you have to tune your heart to the truth. And I'm sure you're saying, okay, preacher man, I'm running low on peace right now. Tell me how I get it. Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. This means your peace is found in your stillness before God. Extract yourself from the rat race. Take a seat before almighty God and just listen. It's hard to do, but just listen. Slide seven, please. Again, from the Gospel of Isaiah, 26, verse three. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose mind, I think a better translation is, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal 
rock. The Hebrew word translated here as perfect peace, show us slide eight, please, is shalom. Shalom is nuclear. Shalom is a dynamic word. Shalom is a state of mind, a state of spiritual well-being, a state of health, happiness, and peace in your body, soul, and spirit. Shalom is complete wholeness through our Lord Jesus. Shalom is your eternal now. Do you remember that sermon? We talked about eternal now. That's this very moment. This very moment is eternal and can be filled with shalom. It's all up to you. C.S. Lewis. It is we who are often missing from the moment, i.e. the eternal now and therefore are often out of touch with God. I will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on me. The Hebrew word yatser, which is translated mind or thoughts in this verse, is not the usual Hebrew word here for thoughts, but rather a word meaning creative, imagination. Mm. In other words, he's who, whose creative imagination, the seat of his and her plans and ideas, whose attention, whose thoughts are firmly founded on the eternal Lord will enjoy shalom in all its multifaceted and wondrous needs. If you want to be whole, fix your thoughts on the Lord. His government and his peace will never end. If you're a believer, you are presently in the kingdom of God. Your eternity has already begun. And by God's grace, it's begun in shalom. Therefore, your peace is eternal. Nothing can alter your peace except your apathy. Peace is like faith. Both are spiritual muscles which must be exercised. We can't sit around in the lotus position thinking peace will magically happen. It doesn't work that way. Your peace is directly linked to your pursuit of God. By being in his word and positioning yourself in his presence, worshiping with not only your thoughts, but your words and your actions. When you're in your car, tune your radio to Christian music, Christian radio. When you're at home, rather than watch three hours of TV every night, read your Bible and pray. It creates shalom. There's a vast array of wonderful Christian teachers on YouTube. If you're going to watch TV, turn on YouTube. Gary Hamrick, uh, to name a few, to name a few. If you're going to watch TV, feed your spirit with the 
truth of God's word. Thankfulness. Let's talk a moment about thankfulness. It's a catalyst for shalom. Thankfulness is a key ingredient in your peace. If you cultivate God's peace in your heart and life, it yields a marvelous product called thankfulness. Thankfulness is like the pendulum on a clock. It provides perpetual motion in your spirit. Thankfulness produces peace. Produces thankfulness. Produces peace. Show us slide nine, please. First Thessalonians chapter five. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. If that were easy, we'd all be doing it. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's a commandment, folks. It's not a suggestion. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, open our minds, open our hearts to see the beauty of your presence all around us. Our eyes see nothing but corruption and hate, but our minds, our hearts do not have to dwell on it. Remind us ever always, Lord, that when we fix our minds on you, we receive from you an ocean of grace, an ocean of peace, and your peace is that which surpasses all human understanding. Lord, we want to swim in that ocean, we want to dive down deep into that ocean and come up revived, refreshed and rejoicing and rid of our doubt and despair. Make it so, Father. Make it so in Jesus' name. Amen. My benediction from Philippians chapter 4. Do not worry about anything. That's a challenge. You can only do that in Christ. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You know, one of the first things when I was interviewing here, one of the first things that caught my eye was our prayer meeting we have at the opening of the service. And I thought, people that pray for their dogs and cats, those are my kind of people. You have scriptural validity here. Pray about everything. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Blessings to you. How appropriate that we end the service with a song entitled, Give Thanks. Stand and join us if you'd please.
Of what?